0: Today's episode is sponsored by Audible. Get a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial of Audible by going to audibletrial.com forward slash United We Drink. Choose from nearly half a million options in Audible's extensive library and keep that audiobook forever. Yes, forever. If you decide you want to cancel your Audible membership before the trial is over, that audiobook is yours for life. Maybe you don't like the audiobook you selected. Guess what? Audible will swap it out for you for a different audiobook for free. Listen to your audiobook on any device of your choosing, iOS, Android, Sonos, Kindle. And when you switch a device, pick up right where you left off. Audible has got you covered. So go to audibletrial.com slash unitedwedrink and get a free audiobook of your choice and keep it forever. The opinions and views expressed in this podcast are of the presenters and the presenters alone and do not represent that of their employers unless explicitly stated. Do we really need to continually do this? Yes, sir. Okay, fine.
1: Hi, this is Dina Lang, professional radio personality, and you're listening to a bunch of amateurs on Reunited We Drink.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the restart, the reboot, the reanimation, the reuniting of United We Drink right here on UnitedWeDrink.com, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and wherever fine podcasts are found. First off, I want to take some time to just thank everyone who has listened to the show thus far. Uh, If you are new to the show, please go back and listen to some of our first two episodes a little bit of a rehash about where we've been since the original run of the show or an introduction to who we are for you. And then also our last episode, episode number two, where we talked about work and life balance in the beer industry. Uh, We got a lot of awesome feedback from people about that episode, and it means so much to us to hear from all of you uh, who might be in the industry, thinking about getting into the industry, brand new uh, about uh, what you are dealing with out there. And we hope to create content like this to where we can talk about things. We're gonna talk about some of the stuff that is super popular to talk about in the industry, but also things that are often neglected, like the work-life balance. So we hope that you continue to listen to the show and enjoy what we're putting out there. My name is Mike Yurevich. I'm a brewer. I'm a writer. I'm a designer. I'm a podcaster and a creator of lists about myself. I am joined by my two co-proprietors of the show. First is a man who can bring any party to a screeching halt. And he is the founder and so far lone member of the Phil Palmisano Hard Seltzer Connoisseurs Club. Here is Phil Palmisano.
1: Hey, somebody's got to own that title, right? Yeah,
0: you and you're going to uh, show us even more why you are the founder and lone member of that club here in hey, a little bit. you guys bit. gave me the
1: news, so. <laughs>
0: uh, as for my other co-host, some say that he will live tweet the birth of your child for a fiver and that while brewing, he often imagines J.J. Abrams as the successor to Charlie Papazian. All I know is he's called Joel Cotner.
2: Hello again, gentlemen.
0: How you doing? Uh, Besides do you hating do your computer.
2: Oh my God, fucking Windows. Anyway. <laughs> I
0: I was contemplating rewriting your whole intro based around your computer while we were waiting for your computer, but I just decided to go with what I had. Um, gentlemen, what are we drinking on this fine, fine evening here?
1: Joel, Lots. what would you like to be drinking? <laughs> <laughs> Double
2: scotch? I was very dismayed last night to find out I was completely out of scotch because uh, the in-laws were over and ended up going with some local rum from Steel Tie Spirits. Uh, but right now I am drinking uh, my Mexican lager.
1: Very nice. I am uh, drinking a Margarita Goza from Cigar City Brewing Company.
0: Oh, a remake of... Uh, a anniversary beer from a few years ago, huh?
1: Yeah, it sort of tweaked a little bit. It's, what it's was that? That was nice a five
0: five beers for five years. Yes, uh, it was
1: good memory. Yeah, I remember that.
0: Uh, I'm drinking a oh, what's it called? Oh, I spilled some on my computer. That's probably not good. Uh, Hazy John Extra Pale Ale from the Shamney Creek Brewing.
1: Very uh, nice. How is it?
0: Oh, it's good. It's slightly juicy. It's got a little bitterness to it, so it's not a a complete New England IPA, and I'm fine with that. I don't...
1: Hey, Joel, how is your Mexican lager? Sorry, Mike. Yeah. I just realized nobody asked Joel how his beer was. All right, you guys do the show. Bye.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's very nice. It's uh, light, refreshing. I'm geeking out, watching it effervesce in the glass. Uh, You know, I love presentation. And uh, speaking of presentation, I love that no one can see this, but, Mike, that, that black tank top really works <laughs> for you. I know. It's what I do. I'm trying to clean up the spill that I made on my uh, keyboard here. Was uh, it white earlier today and just got darker like in Die Hard? No comment. <laughs>
0: um, We have some news to talk about, and uh, for that, I'm going to throw this over to Phil. to. Uh,
1: Matt! You guys challenged me last episode to bring the fire when it comes to news. So um, did this we? week, yeah, you did. You said I got to get better at it. So I'm trying to be better here. Um, so we got a lot of water news this week. We got six pieces in particular. Um, and we'll start with White Claw. And we're just going to sort of like bullet point these as we move White Claw announced a 70-calorie version of their White Claw, which is ticking in at 3.7 ABV, zero sugar, zero carbs, and 70 calories. Pretty amazing, if you ask me. Uh, What's that in comparison to regular? Hey, I'm not done yet. Uh, Regular was uh, 100 calories, and I want to say one carb-ish, two carbs, somewhere around there. Um, so the the carb count is huge, and obviously it's about one percent ABV less and about thirty calories less. Um, that better for you category is going to become competitive, but they were sort of beat to the punch because Truly came out and, which is Sam Adams based, and announced their new ad campaign with Keegan Michael Key, where they're actually going to be using other beverages for things around the house and everyday uses. Which one of them is watering plants with a light logger? Think about that one. Uh, we had two value brand seltzers jump into the industry. Uh, Natty Light actually pushed forward the release of their seltzer, sort of breaking into a value category, cate- uh, a new value category of this hard seltzer. And Four loco did a tweeter, uh, a tweeter. A tweeter, Jesus, really? A Twitter uh, tease, um, which actually caught fire, and they decided that they're going to move forward with a fourteen um, percent seltzer. I don't think that's really going to fall within the better for you category. Just thinking out loud. They're um, also
0: not a brand that really cares about stuff like that. They like if they care you,
1: about selling beer, I would imagine uh, they're. They're about for kind minute, of shaking, beverages. It seems like
0: they're about shaking things up. There was a, a great podcast episode on the Good Beer Hunting Podcast a little while back with uh, one of the higher-ups over there. I can't remember his name. I'm very sorry about that. But it was a really interesting listen, and they have a really interesting way of going about business over there. What's it called? Fusion Brands, I think, mm-hmm. is the name of their company. Um, They they aren't ones to just... uh keep on trying on something that's not really working so but they'll always keep trying so this is their way of trying out something if it doesn't work they'll kill it real relatively quickly and move on to the next thing well but they they
1: they, jumped headfirst into this one so i and i don't know their business model but i didn't people are paying attention to it which is pretty cool
0: yeah we'll see if it's the deep end or the shallow end
1: And then newly released Omission, uh, which is a CBA brand, uh, came out and said that they're going to release the seltzer in a normal can, which is a little bit different from those slimline 12-ounce cans. Um, And they actually released that uh, sort of press release at the same time as saying that they have a nationwide Whole Foods mandate, which is pretty big when you talk about chain mandates behind some of these new lines that are coming out. But not all is perfect on this seltzer front as Constellation, uh, the Constellation group, I should say, announced today that Svedka's, uh seltzer is being discontinued, and they're going back to the drawing board on the seltzer thing. So what are you guys excited about out of all this seltzer talk?
2: <laughs> Joel? <laughs> oh, Christ. Um I don't know. Uh, <laughs> more variety for everyone, I guess. Um, it's great to see everyone jumping on this, like, semi-healthy alcohol kick. I know Phil was a big proponent of, like, you know, NA, lower ABV, low-calorie stuff on one of the previous episodes. And, um, I mean, we, we've had a few White Claws in this house uh, ourselves. Um, I am not crazy about it. I need to try more ba- brands. I definitely like uh, Wild Basin. Um, but I don't know. It, it seems like it's all the rage. I, I phil honestly inspired me to like try my hand at making one, um, based on a conversation we had. I don't know if I'm ready to do that yet, but I, I'm just, I mean, I love experimenting. I don't want to do it it's relatively following... easy from what I understand. Well, right. I mean, there's no mash. I mean, it's, it's, you know, some sort of dextrose, champagne yeast, um, natural flavors as they call it, um. So it's it's interesting, and I, I'm curious about it from a, a manufacturing perspective, I guess. Um, I, I would love to try it. I mean, Christ, I might even homebrew it just to see what happens.
0: I really, I don't think that I have drank one in probably a year and a half to two years. Um, definitely have not had one since I've been up in Philly. I, I had a truly, or a few trulys, probably about two years ago introduced uh, went to a friend's house and they had some i thought that they were pretty cool i um after that i bought like a four pack or a six pack i don't remember what they came in uh for myself never bought them again uh my fiance got a mixed pack once of uh what's it hen henry weinard's or two henry's is it two Henry? no
1: yeah. Is, oh okay so. two uh, Henry's is a big one
0: they uh it was not very good most of them they had a very medicinal quality to them and after that I haven't drank one it's I'm not gonna deny the powerhouse that it is it's just not a thing that I care about um it's not that I don't care about uh my health because I certainly do but The those aren't things that I want to want to be drinking. Um, I'm I'm one of those people who is going to say if I'm going to drink something like that, I'm going to have a a cocktail. And although that's probably not good for me, that's just the way I am with the flavor uh, dynamic of it.
2: It seems like this trend has a bit more legs than some of the previous trends we've seen, whether it was, you know, cider blowing up in the craft segment for a bit and then meat and then hard soda. I mean that, that hard soda thing really seemed to blow up real fast and then and then die off rather quickly.
0: Yeah. and they keep on releasing new brands uh for that well that's owned by Fusion Brands, uh, who owns four loco. Uh that whole not your fathers uh brand.
1: It's definitely interesting to sort of watch. It it, it just to see that much news come out since the last episode is um, with the major players all involved. And then some larger companies stuck behind sort of trying to push this value segment of the industry. You have, you have your presses, your wild basins, your um, uh, crooked marker that are trying to sort of carve out this, which by the way, there's
0: no such thing as organic alcohol. So
1: get the fuck out of here with that. (laughs) They're trying to carve out the craft (laughs) segment. Uh, Wild Basin and Truly, I mean, they really are the number one and two. So I think... The hunt, wild basin, you mean white claw and truly white claw, white claw and truly. My bad. Sorry, I was talking, I was thinking craft still. Uh, white claw and truly are clearly the number one and number two. Um, I think we're really trying to figure out who's number three here. It does it go to the value category with like four loco or a natty light, natural light, I should say, or does it stick with one of the guys like a two Henrys or um. I, anybody else, one of the craft guys, sort of teeter down into that number three. I mean, we have three major brands when you look at uh, domestics. and You have Bud, Miller, and Coors. Why can't we have three uh, seltzers? Uh, they're growing at such an insane rate with no really vision of slowing down whatsoever. It, it's a category I'm interested in sort of keeping my eye on. Uh, I'll try not to bore you guys too much with it. Um, but anyways <laughs> moving on to the next piece of news uh we have a little bit of local florida news uh tim ogden announced publicly uh that he will be opening up his own brewery and if you uh the brewery's name is deviant libations and it's going to be in tampa heights um if you guys aren't familiar with tim ogden he actually has a long history of brewing in florida uh starting with hops cigar city Brewing, cigar city brew pub and then over to tampa bay brewing um I'm personally super excited and happy for uh, just another individual that I can call and consider a friend in this industry it, it, taking the leap, opening up their own brewery. And I wish Tim nothing but the best. Uh, yeah. I'm sure you guys saw this. I actually, I knew you guys saw this cause we talked about it ahead of the time.
2: Joel, I've never met uh, Tim in person. I remember uh, when, you know, you and I were working at our last brewery Mike Uh, he had this is when we were still behind the bar and not in the brew house but he had come in to do a collab uh, which eventually turned into like sort of a seasonal over there um and I do recall having several of his beers at the uh Cigar City Brew Pub and I really, really enjoyed them. And I know his his work speaks for itself and, and it's it's really exciting to see uh someone so well known and with an esteemed reputation as his getting to open his own spot. And I just hope there's no confusion with Deviant Wolf in Central Florida. I I've never even heard of them before, uh Deviant yeah. Wolf. That's cause you're in Philly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Phil Phil looked uh looked like he had never heard of that either. The his face he just made. Of course, you know, audio. Um, Apparently
1: I need to um, you know, water outside of uh, you know, my hotel room in Orlando every once in a while.
0: Uh in my opinion, uh I I feel like any person who's talking about the history of Brewing in Florida would be Remiss if they do not mention Tim Ogden in uh, The conversation I, I think that he is such an Important part of the brewing culture In that state um, If you you Spoke great accolades like what He's done where he's been Phil um, From hops to c- CCB uh, both In the, the main brewery and then the Brew pub and then joining uh, a, a family who in their own right, is important to Florida brewing with the dobles uh, at Tampa Bay Brewing. Um, Tim's a, a fantastic brewer, a fantastic human being. I've I've only talked with him maybe a handful of times. Uh, had some beers with him when when he brewed at uh, the brewery Joel and I used to be at. And he's a great dude, a really smart guy, uh, but also like I don't like I don't know if he he just comes across so chill with the way that he comes to brewing uh sometimes and like while like wayne is always super fun to talk to sometimes i get really confused when wayne gets into a tangent on things tim's always been able to uh bring things down to to talk to to me uh on brewing to where i understand and uh, like I love that dude, and I I I know that he might not know necessarily who I am now, but uh, I wish him nothing but the best of luck. And this is uh, it's really exciting to see him going out on his own.
1: Yeah, you hit it on the head when you said he's just a great human being, guys. That, that and that's the beautiful thing about this industry is when you have somebody that is a an awesome person you want to make sure or you hope that they succeed in any endeavor that they go through. So, yeah. um, and, and final bit of news, uh, the philosopher Bart Simpson once said, eat my shorts, Michigan based, uh, shorts brewing company is actually hoping for just that as they paired with Michigan based cannabis company, green peak in- innovations, Um, The announcement stated to expect shorts, beer-flavored edibles, and vape pen flavors. This isn't the first time that a brewery's done this. And keep in mind, Lagunitas sort of ventured into this uh, reality a while ago. And they sort of own a small percentage of sorts. Um, So do you think that this is just something within that family where Lagunitas and shorts brewing sort of jumped into it? Or do you guys think that this is a sign of the times where we're going to start to see more of these breweries sort of aligning? And and also keep in mind the ex-head brewer of Blue Moon moved away to do his own line of um, cannabis-infused uh, cannabis influ- beverages that are not beer, um, but they're beer-flavored. So is this a sign of the times? What do you guys think? Mike?
0: Uh, I I forgot that shorts was partly owned by Heineken until you and and you said it in a way that you didn't straight up say it but I got it. <laughs> um so yeah that's that is interesting once you really put two and two together on that. I mean cannabis is definitely an interesting uh segment of I, I don't even know how to really categorize it uh, like mind-altering, so, but like it's, I mean, not, and it's true, it's form, not a beverage, but bringing it into beverages, I don't know how much it it impacts me because I'm not, I'm not a uh, a regular partaker in uh, cannabis activities. Uh, the last time I really remember uh, partaking in edibles, whoo, uh, that was a thing, but um, it's, I don't know. It's interesting to to see where some of these companies are going. It, it doesn't greatly impact me, but I'm, this is again, like seltzer. I like being kind of on the outside looking in to it because these are things that don't really impact me personally, but I like just kind of seeing the direction that it goes and what other people are saying about it. Um, and I do think that it can be something that can impact craft beer and beer as a whole.
2: Joel? I person I personally have no interest in a beverage that combines the two. I would kind of prefer one or the other. I would never do both at the same time. Um, but I, I think it is a sign of the times. I think diversification and you know, expanding your sort of broadening your horizons and and keeping things fresh makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, just, I, it's, it's, it's almost like with the seltzer, you know, it's, it's another product category to get into. It just doesn't interest me personally. Um, and not to really throw any shade, but, um, it's, it seems like a funny segment to get into when you're already selling citra for $53 a pound on lupulin exchange, (laughs) yeah <laughs> <laughs> um
1: it, yeah uh I, I I think it's a side of the times honestly at the end of the day i I think we're gonna see more beverage companies and and really at the end of the day when you start looking at collections and families they're gonna leverage local relationships um, and and obviously I don't have Schwartz's business plan but I would imagine you don't no, I don't. I, I wouldn't mind seeing it. What if anybody has it and they want to share it, I'd be happy to look at it. Um, but the I, I really do see it as a sign of the times. I, I see uh, cannabis ed- creeping into our industry. So I, I honestly, I like what Shorts is doing where they're saying, well, if cannabis is going to creep into the beer industry, why shouldn't we creep into the cannabis industry and put our stamp on flavors of edibles and vape? pens and honestly if anybody's Gal- gonna galaxy do galaxy
0: flavored uh
1: what but Chiba? why not i mean why not why not at the end of the day hops are in the same family as marijuana uh, so you know i mean listen if somebody wanted to give me a, a citra pale ale vape pen um i wouldn't necessarily mind trying it i don't necessarily know if it's going to be the best flavor <laughs> but it's worth a try, in my opinion, but is it a, a gateway
2: sp- Is it a gateway to cocaine and heroin beers <laughs>
1: <laughs> that that is up to our government
0: i want I want a vape pen a uh, pack full of five pounds per barrel worth of citra galaxy uh, what are other, simcoe mosaic
1: It's a hazy cartridge, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's news? all the news. I'm done. I'm all done. Right. I get made fun of, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm over it.
0: All right. Uh, we're <laughs> moving on to Q and a question and answers, uh, questions submitted by you, the loyal listeners of the show. And, uh, if you ever want to submit a question for us to talk about on the show, you can do so going to our website, unitedwedrink.com and go to the contact page and you can send us an email and we may read it and answer it online or not online on the show. You can also send it to us on Twitter, Instagram, wherever. Uh, question number one comes from our good friend, uh, Gerard, uh, beer in Florida, uh, writer of the book on beer in Florida, might I add, uh, Gerard asks, born on Best Buy dates, what should a consumer watch for to ensure they buy the best quality beer, and who should they contact if they find an obviously out of code uh, beer on the shelf? We'll go with Phil first.
1: Thanks. Um, I it, Date codes are important, uh, be it uh, born on dates, package on dates, expiration dates. Um, obviously, as a brewery, we want you to consume that beverage within a finite amount of time uh to make sure that it comes across as intended not necessarily it's it's not necessarily bad it's not like milk where you're gonna get sick necessarily off of drinking a beer that is uh a year old and we want you to consume it within 6 months um that said uh it it is very important and it, there's multiple different ways to sort of handle this situation coming from somebody that handles a lot of the contact us form threads uh or website inquiries I should say um when you look at it at it can speak to the manager if there is a manager it, I would say don't make too much of a big deal out of it, but you know, Hey, just so you guys know, you got a brand, you, you got an enjoy by that's six months old on the shelf. Um, it, it clearly states enjoy by, um, you know, it, but at the end of the day uh, you can't sort of tell that guy how to do his business. Right. Um, what I would do is I would go on to the brewery's website And, uh, and utilize their contact us forum and basically just say, Hey, I was in account X, Y, and Z. And, um, this beer, uh, was clearly out of code or, I mean, let's even talk about draft because it's something that we don't talk about on a regular basis. And when it comes to date coding, you know, Hey, this beer sort of tasted off. Um, You know, somebody from the brewery is going to get back to you, hopefully. Um, I know the way that I handle things is I send my team out and we and or myself specifically to go out and inspect it and try and make sure that it's cleaned up for you. Um, Obviously, the further you are from the brewery, the harder it is for the brewery to control stuff like that. But we have wholesaler partners that are fantastic across the United States and they can help us as well. Sorry for the long winded. (laughs) <laughs> answer. Mike, uh, what do you think?
0: So I, to answer the question in the way that the question is actually presented, uh, what should the consumer look for? Uh, look for the date codes. Um, but also, I feel like that it's a dick thing to say because that's an obvious thing. But I also think a lot of things fall onto the breweries to have easy to decipher date codes. Um, Julian Calendar... Does not fucking work. Do not put that on a can or a bottle. 90-something percent of people, I'm making up a fake statistic, but I have to believe it's true, do not know how to decipher Julian date codes. We know how to decipher regular Gregorian date codes. Put those on your product. And whether or not it should be the Best Buy or the Born On. I love breweries who put both of them on there. Boulevard six point come to mind. They put both of the dates on there. I think that that's awesome. Not everyone is able to to do that, but it starts with the brewery having easy to understand date codes. Then as for whether or not it should be a uh, who you should talk to about uh, out of code beer, I think that it's easier to contact the brewery in regards to something like that where kind of like you were alluding to a little bit you might have a harder time with the uh the retailer because one you might just have a regular employee who doesn't really know what to do when it comes to that it might not be a manager or an owner of the shop um so just stay away from that uh, I would say because you can confuse an employee or if it's a, a really standoffish manager or owner, you're just going to probably get some blowback that you don't really need. Contact the brewery first and foremost is what I would say and then let them handle it through their distribution networks and their contacts with that uh, uh, retailer. It's a great Joel? point, Mike.
2: I wish I could be as tactful and professional as you guys on this subject right now, but I mean, my heart is literally racing, not only because I'm still flustered from my technical difficulties a half hour ago, but I've also switched, I finished my crawler, and I've moved on to a quart of Old English. Um, (laughs) So here's my take on it, and it's a bit militant. Um... And I, this comes from not only experience as a production brewer who formerly distributed draft and package and dealt with lots of issues, including uh, you know out of out of code beer and all that, um, but also as a consumer. Uh, me personally, I refuse to buy anything that's room temperature. I, I'm just over it. Um, we have so many small craft breweries in, you know, the 7,500 or so that we have now, and you have to imagine not many of them are pasteurizing or doing, you know, the really in-depth Q and A. And that's why I honestly trust bigger brands more these days. Um, sorry, not Q and A Q A Q C. Um, we're doing I, the Q A for them. Exactly. Um, I, I, You know, as I mentioned on the last episode, I was heading to North Carolina a couple weeks ago, and as soon as I got there, I had to stop into a grocery store, and I got so excited when I saw Allagash White on the shelf, because we don't have that here, and I immediately went for it, and then I picked up the bottle out of the six-pack, and it was 10 months old, and that was just infuriating. So I put it back, didn't look at it, walked away, and then I found it at another place, Uh, like a growler shop, like a craft beer, you know, a place that should know better. And it was room temperature on the shelf and it was 15 months old. So, you know, I, I don't trust room temperature beer no matter who it is mostly. And you have to look for, you know, either born on or Best Buy dates. And it's a little trickier with the born on date because you have to interpret when it's Best Buy, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and, and you know there's so much beer on the shelf right now, are you really gonna waste your time trying to tweet this brewery or contact them while you're in the store? I mean, you're just gonna go for the easiest option that you, you think is the best bet. I, I've seen, I mean, I was so frustrated when I walked into a bottle shop people recommended to me and I saw main lunch in the fridge. I mean, I, I got so excited and it was six months old and said, best within 90 days. I mean, it was just infuriating. So, and it's it's a top to bottom responsibility between the breweries, the distributors, the retailers. I think if you're in this business and this is what you do, you should know better. And you know, to paraphrase Jeremy Danner's famous, uh, "If you can afford a week in Denver for GABF, you can afford a microscope tweet." Um, I think if you can afford a canning liner, if you can afford packaging, you can afford a date coder. And I think we can, you know, I think we're at that point where we should put on our big boy pants and skip, you know, I don't mean to be the fun police, but I think we can skip all the cutesy little messages on the bottom of the can and give us some real information about how old this beer is and when is it Best Buy. Um, I'm just, I'm so amped up about that kind of stuff these days. And, um, you know, from my own personal preference, And I don't mean to, like, piss on anyone else's beer, but I just have a personal rule now that I typically will not buy packaged beer unless it's directly from the brewery. I've just, it's just, you know, South Florida, it's too hot. I've had the distribution issues. Uh, You know, I I know there's a lot of stuff that's out there that's going to hold up well, and I'm sure it'll be fine in a lot of cases. But for me personally, I just want to go to the source where I know it hasn't been mistreated. Great points on all of that. Uh, Oh, we could
1: totally go back and forth on this for a long time.
0: (laughs) And I think that that's a a thing that we will probably have as a main topic at some point. Uh, Question number two from a friend of the show, Bub Ohio Beer. Uh, What's your favorite hard seltzer? I'll start things off here because I'm going to be pretty simple uh, because I haven't really drank many of them. Uh, Truly grapefruit or lime? Those are the only ones that I've had that I, I thought were any any good, but I haven't had very many. So
2: there's that. Um Joel. I've only had three. I don't recall even what truly was like a couple years ago. Um and I've had white claw. I, I don't think it's the greatest. There's this weird sort of residual sweetness I didn't enjoy. Um and so my favorite out of the three I've tried so far is wild basin. What flavor? I want to say it was like a grapefruit something. I don't recall. I, 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 no? Uh,
1: I, don't know. Lime, I don't know. Lime, lemon, peach, or melon? Maybe it was melon then. Okay. I don't know. Uh, I, had, c- I had, I had, I
2: had a few that day and I was out in the sun.
1: <laughs> Cucumber, peach, wild basin. I, I'm digging on it. You can get it out of the variety pack right now only. Um, I, I really like it. I I like, for some odd reason, peach flavoring.
0: All right. Uh, final Q&A question is from at Duval Bill on Twitter. Which breweries in Florida do you think aren't getting the respect they deserve? And which breweries in Florida would you most like to
2: collaborate
0: on a beer? Joel?
1: Glad I'm not going first.
2: <laughs> um so, not getting the respect that deserve. Uh, well, I mean, number one, I don't believe in the word deserve. Uh, I know that there are underdogs out there. I know that there are a lot of breweries who, for whatever reason, maybe, you know, their own fault, where they're just not grasping the social media or the marketing, and they're really not putting themselves out there. But there's a lot of great stuff out there. Um, I... There's just so many breweries right now. I, I could name 20 of them that just aren't. I mean, if I had to pick one, I would say odd breed Wild Ales, only because they're making such phenomenal wild ales, mixed fermentation, oak-aged. I mean, unbelievable stuff. And, you know, there's so many, like, quote-unquote brewery and blenderies out there that are getting all the hype. But everything I've had from these guys, and I know they're friends, so I'm slightly biased, but it, it's just such phenomenal beer, and I, I wish them all the success in the world. Uh, As far as breweries, I'd love to collaborate with. I will now give the tactful answer. um, The politically correct version, which is honestly the most honest thing I can say is literally anyone. Um, I, I want to collaborate not to build some sort of hype train or get with the geekiest breweries and show off like, look who I'm friends with or any of that kind of stuff. I truly just want to learn from other brewers, from just fellow people in the business. And I don't care if you are on a one barrel nano system or you're doing like sixty thousand barrels a year. Um, I, I really want to just work with other people and learn from them and and see how they do things. Hopefully, pick up a few good tips and and improve my own brewing. Phil,
1: uh, collaborations all about learning. Um, so I, I I can I can attack the collaboration piece first because I don't want to collaborate with anyone, um, and that's. Partially because I'm not a brewer. Um, and I don't think anybody really wants to collaborate with me specifically. Um, that it's said, United
2: we drink, not United we <laughs> brew. <laughs> um,
1: that said, I, I honestly, this question hit me really hard as well, which is like define respect. Like, w- is it uh, reach of distribution? Because, Joel, I went right to Oddbreed Wild Ales and I, I love what Matt is doing over there. Um, but is respect distribution because I travel outside of the state and I see them. Um, I actually have more access to their bottles outside of the state than I do in the state. Um, When it comes to respect, I think it's just a really loose term. I, I always fall back on, I I think there's some national brands that don't get respect, not just Florida brands. Um, But there's a lot out there. there. There's a lot of really good beer, um, it sort of falls back on that question that we had two weeks ago, which was, why do good things happen to bad breweries? It's like, well, define bad. Like, what's a bad brewery? Um, so, I don't know. I, I can't God, really answer. you really
0: making this. me go all out on dictionary.com
1: right now. I, uh, but uh, what, is, uh, like, what is respect? Respect,
0: a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, qualities, or
1: achievements. Fantastic, but... it what is his definition of respect? What does he mean by respect? And it could be hype.
2: It could be awards. Yeah, exactly.
1: So is, is respect, uh, that somebody can secondhand sell your bottle on a website. I I don't know, uh, that somebody can trade through your bottle for, you know, some crazy beer across the United States. I, I don't know. Um, that there's just, there's a shit ton of really good beer. Get out there and support your locals. And, 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 Honestly, revisit some of the legacy brands that aren't getting the respect that they need on a national level and we'll talk about that in a minute. Hell yeah. Mike? Uh um
0: I mainly wanted to do the respect thing just to shout out like I d like because I haven't been in Florida for a year now, I, I don't really know who's getting what and who's being talked about, who's doing well. Uh, and things like that. But I just wanted to shout out a couple breweries or actually a few breweries that, uh, I really love and appreciate. And, uh, one is Copper Point, um, in Boynton beach. Uh, Matt Cox is one of the best brewers and one of the oldest brewers in the, not like he's been brewing for a long time. He's not an old man, but, uh, Copper Point, I think is a a fantastic brewery barrel of monks in Boca. I mean, I have a lot of friends there, uh, so it might seem a little biased, but I, I think that Wizard Wit has the potential of being the Allegash White of Florida, uh, Walking Tree in Vero Beach. Those those Second folks over alley. there, they make absolutely fantastic beer. I don't I don't know what their love like if they get a lot of love from people because they were never they're not in the area that I lived in. I went there to visit. I've had some of their beers. They make some of the best stouts in the state, uh, and also possibly the country. Um, they make incredible beers over there. Uh, big ups to Walking Tree. As for people who I love to collaborate uh, with, Joel was really hit the the nail on the head of like anyone and everyone. But like I, I just put three down here really fast because uh these are ones that i've i I definitely want to do uh joel because he's my friend and it just would be fun uh odd breed because i could learn a hell of a lot from matt manthe he's one of he is in my opinion the best brewer in the state of florida um and i'm just always so interested by mixed culture and wild fermentations and then seventh son over in dunedin tampa uh Love those folks infinitely. They make amazing beer and would just love to have a great time making a beer with them. All right. So that does it for Q&A. Moving into our main topic, maybe a little later than we were hoping for, we're going to talk about the 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 battle that is going on on shelves, taps um, for the space. There's very limited space going on out there for all of these, what, seven, what was it, 7,500, close to 8,000 breweries that we have in this country uh, alone, not even taking into consideration all of the imports that are coming in as well. Um, Shelves are getting crazy. Taps are getting crazy. Who can get the space? Who can get the cold space? uh who uh, who is reg- relegated to the uh the warm space and does that move well enough Phil you are like the the one who is out there seeing all of this probably the most because this is your expertise you're a sales guy um where Joel and I we see it mostly at, at coming from brewer standpoints we mainly just see it when we want to buy beer so how about you take us into a a little bit of a look at so what you're
1: seeing oh god um i this topic in particular it, it five years ago six years ago i don't think anybody it, any of us really saw it coming it, specifically in florida keep in mind florida is a little bit behind what we're seeing in California and up in the Northeast, um, and honestly, in which, hell, even in North Carolina at this point in time, um, okay, I'll
0: I'll have some really weird input for you from the the Northeast standpoint. But, I, yeah.
1: Distribution up to there is very interesting, so I'm really curious to see your take on this. But I, coming from Florida in particular, I, the hardest part when we're talking about it, it basically erosion. Because really, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, an infinite amount of breweries or just an ever-growing amount of breweries. And, and on-premise in particular, um, I think, is the easiest to address. Um, everyone is looking for what's new. It's a very promiscuous premise in particular, on-premise being bars, restaurants, et cetera, et cetera. Um, w- we talk about all the time, and you know, start looking at some of these accounts that people weren't attacking that are owned by Bud Light and Miller course, those brands, because the average consumer is now looking for beer with more flavor. We're very lucky because this industry has grown so drastically fast, and it's not going anywhere. It's specifically IPAs, you can you can ride the market. You can basically find an IPA from some brewery at any restaurant, be it a, a Chili's or a Bennigan's or uh, TGI Friday's. That said, when you break into the independent scene... You still have a lot of rotation. You have, uh, I was in Alabama this past week, tons of local support. And Alabama's a little bit behind where Florida is now when it comes to beer, just based off of laws. But local is really dominating your draft handle. So when you're representing a brewery that's based out of another state, you're sort of battling that, and you're battling it with heavy hitters, Sierra Nevada, Sam Adams, um you know just to name a few uh, Laconitas. um w- when you go to off premise that's that's where things get sticky because you live and die by planograms and you live and die by sets and what a planogram is is for anyone that doesn't know is once or twice a year you'll have a a company a, a major grocer put out basically it's a a map in regards to what those coolers look like and when you're dealing with a major grocer um and th- those planograms are very specific and there's a really good movie 10 years old at this point in time i believe beer wars uh, highly yeah. recommend watching that because it it's going to if you're not uh caught up on sort of where the off-premise shelf battles are um that movie opened my eyes, and, and I've become a student from that point on. Um, Ring data, IRI data is super important when it comes to proving that you deserve a specific space on a shelf as a brewery um, as shit as anything, consumer packaged goods, and you know, really can you, anything.
0: Can you explain to people what IRI is? Because I, I, I'm sure there's probably some people listening who don't know what that stands for and what it is.
1: Yeah. So it's a, um, it's a service that basically it's, it's ring data. So every time you as a consumer go into a major grocery store and you buy, uh, a jar of peanut butter, and we'll talk about peanut butter because everybody, well, most people, unless you have a peanut allergy, buy peanut butter. Um, and, you, oh, God. <laughs> and you
0: alienating the people with peanut allergies <laughs> and,
1: and you ring almond butter or peanut butter that way almond butter everybody can buy um, and you go through your, your register um, and they scan it and, it and it actually shows that that jar of peanut butter was sold so at the end of a month uh, they'll they'll kick out scan data and uh a company uh like iri will end up releasing that scan data and basically telling you hey you know here's your dollar per sale um your dollar per placement here's your um in comparison to the rest of the industry this is where you know jeff lands versus skippy versus peter pan um and it allows you to compare apples to apples amongst your competitors um and when these these grocers and now i'm venturing into an area of the industry that i don't know nearly as much because i've only sat into a few meetings but these grocers are paying attention to who's making them money they're running a business and at the end of the day they want to make sure that every placement in that cold box not local not national not regional they don't really care as long as it's bringing them in revenue that said, when you have someone like Sierra Nevada that came out this past week coming out of their national sales meeting that said, hey, man, we got a ton of traction right now with a hazy little thing, and we're going to double down on it next year, and we're going to do you know, a, a little bit of a line extension on it, but don't count Sierra Pale out because Sierra Pale is too large to really die, and we have to make sure that we continue to push that. You go to your local grocer and Sierra Pale is there. It's sitting right next to Hazy Little Thing and that's the established brand. We're starting to see these legacy brands erode. And and for me as a craft beer lover, take the industry outside of it. That's scary because these are the beers. It's also a little sad too. All of us as a
0: craft beer lover, not necessarily a professional in the industry.
1: Absolutely. Anchor um Lagunitas uh Sierra Nevada uh Sam Adams all of these brands uh, Dogfish Head you know for a lot of us in Florida were there almost right out of the get-go Avery it would be different if we were buying their package on a consistent basis and and obviously sales slow therefore the grocer or whoever it is is looking for that next step and who's going to take them to the next level and I think it's it, it's really important, and and Joel, I disagree with you when it comes to not buying beer on a dry Joel shelf. Joel hasn't even said anything. I know he hasn't, but I, I'm <laughs> looping back to my new situation uh, oh, or right. the question situation where I think the dry shelf is is just as important as the cold box, and and I think it you still have to pay attention, be it in cold box or on the dry shelf, on your date codes and and be educated. It we're at it, I, if you want to, if you want me to be honest, I'm scared more, not necessarily about the dry shelf, but about the single section. Um, and and that's a section that I have my team work on a regular basis. And even the single section is running out of space. And so now you have to show a rate of sale to hit a single section. Um, it's it, it, it's an interesting time. I. Th- yeah. I, uh, and I'm curious to see how you guys and, and, you know, Joel, cool. how you look at it as I, a brewer, but Mike, I, really, I'm curious to see how your distribution laws in Pennsylvania are completely different from ours.
0: Well, first I I, I want Joel to be able to respond first because you, you went at him. So <laughs> I, I feel like he should, he should get a, the first rebuttal here.
2: Well, I don't want to get too much into that. I think that's a topic for a whole other episode, but in, from a production standpoint, from, you know, from a, a, a small brewery that doesn't necessarily have the the q a q c budget to ensure stealth, you know shelf stability like i I know I should not be canning and i'm not i don't have the cold storage for it i don't have the distribution i'm in a brew pub, but I know for a fact that that beer is the warmer it stays, the faster it's aging, and there are many brands and bigger brands out there who are really doing their lab work, are you know, they're not even letting it out the door until they know it's passed certain tests or they're pasteurizing or they're doing some sort of you know, real quality control. Uh, I know a bre- I know Boulevard has huge standards when it comes to that kind of stuff. So but you know, when I see the the local like five barrel brewery with six packs on shelves I know as much as I may love their beer, I probably can't trust it as much as far as shelf stability. Um, So that's, that's really my only response with that. I just, for me personally, I just prefer to get it straight for the, from the source where I know it's been tampered with less, it's gone through less temperature changes, less, um, you know, everything. So, you know, and, and from, you know, from my standpoint, as far as the market overcrowding. I mean, it's not just shelf space and, and and draft. You know, I'm what they call own premise, meaning I have my brew pub, uh, well, not mine, but you know, I, I brew for a brew pub. We do not distribute. We're about to start dipping our toes into distribution very limitedly with one beer, draft only. And, you know, when I do tours for people and they ask, like, you know, can we find your beer here? Can we find your beer? You know, where are you distributed? And I always tell them, sorry, no, we're not distributing yet. Um, and the way breweries are opening and growing the the, it's not a commensurate rate as you know draft applebee's is not adding draft lines because south florida opened another 25 breweries uh total wine is not adding more shelves because more breweries are opening or distributing here i mean it's just getting more packed and packed and the competition is more fierce than ever i mean we have so many breweries and I, I think like five of us opened within months of each other in West Palm beach. Um, you know, there's us and there's American craft and there's steam horse and Ukapau and all these guys. And we, we, there's so many of us now that in just a very short amount of time that we have our own like brewers Alliance. It's almost like a mini guild in West Palm beach where we support each other and promote like West Palm tourism and, and beer and cider and spirits. And, even though these are our friends and we all work together, it's still competition because they're right down the street. And I constantly try to instill in my staff, like, no one has to tell us we suck and we have to do a really good job in promoting a great experience and offering a great product because they can literally walk two blocks away and get craft beer elsewhere. And it's, you know, it's like something our good friend Kevin from Barrel and Monks told us in... Um, Philadelphia a few years ago when we were hanging out in the hotel room after C B C he said something and I've taken this with me for a couple of years now. You know, he goes he goes, Great beer. Who gives a fuck about great beer? You have to assume everyone's making great beer and then what? What's setting you apart from the rest? You know, the quality, the experience. So there, there's so much to it and it's it's a real struggle out there, even when your neighbors are your friends and your competition are your friends. And, you know, it's, it's scary to think about us, you know, dipping our toes into the, the waters of distribution, even on such a limited basis in our own backyard, because, you know, who needs another Hefeweizen? Like, who needs another IPA? All of these places aren't growing and 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 blowing up at the same, I mean, we're looking at, you know, with license applications, we're looking at over 10,000 breweries right now. That's insane. And, you know, I, I still think there's room for many more, but not through distribution like it's going to be very tough Uh,
0: one thing when i moved to philadelphia i i i wanted to find where i was going to get beer because beer laws are a little weird here they've gotten better over the past maybe five years or so you can actually go into almost any grocery store now and find beer which was uh, unheard of ten years ago, um, and it used to be you you would go to beer distributors. Uh, use of a different word up here. It was pretty much a beer store, and uh, you could buy a case at a time. That was it, the smallest amount.
1: Almost every distributor had their own basically storefront. Correct.
0: Yeah, as what not, but not every distributor uh, beer store was a distributor as well. Yeah. Like was a wholesaler. Correct. Um, so now things have changed a lot and now you can buy six packs. You can buy single bottles. Um, a lot of bars have to go licenses that allow them to sell, uh, six packs, four packs and whatnot. Uh, it's usually a very high markup pricing up here is ridiculous. And that's not a thing I'm going to get into because I could talk about that for hours, but, the first time I found the local bottle shop by my house that, that I still shop at, uh, I I was I, I didn't know what to think when I first walked in and saw so much beer, and it was just a beer place, a good size space, and it, almost all of it was dry. And I'm walking up the up and down the dry aisles of the six packs and the four packs and i'm i'm seeing I'm seeing breweries I've never had access to before like perennial um and uh solemn oath and uh half acre and stuff that I haven't seen in a really long time like allagash um and all these Philly area breweries and then they have a good cold section as well i i i was just there was shock. There was awe. there was just being scared because I didn't know what to do. i I, I picked up a pack of Pivo the first time I walked in there because I was like, "Oh, Pivo pills. This is one of my favorite beers of all time. Now you're just bragging and And it was five months old at that point. Oh. And I was like, mm, I'm, like they might be like they're a high quality enough brewery their stability and package on a dry shelf is probably way more than a little brew pub in the city here but i was still a little turned off by that some of those six packs still exist on that shelf today and i've been here for almost a year so uh, like i i have become religious about looking at the bottoms of cans Nothing on it, not buying it. Date code, I want to be within three months on almost anything that I look at. And there's just so much stuff out there that I, I, I don't know I, I'm just I've become to the point of where I, I I turn down local options because I do not see date codes on it to go for more bigger brands because they have date codes on it and they're actually fresh. Um, uh, uh, unless it's a a local brand, that's a brand new thing that I saw like them announce on their Instagram. Hey, this is going out this week. Since I have lived here, the thing that I have drank the most of and bought the most of is half acre daisy cutter because the shit's fresh. Uh, in the tallboy uh six pack uh tall boy four pack cans every time I go in there I've never had more than a month and a half uh of uh the the dates on that when they came out with the twelve packs of 12 ounce cans I was like this is fucking awesome I'm buying these because that'll last me a lot longer bought a 12 pack did me well the first round of 12 packs are still in the cold box from when they did that three, four months ago. Well, but they sit, but the four packs are, are still fresh.
1: So, but all right. So I think we're all and and even my statement was a very generalization. Um, it, you possibly could go out into an account locally and find fresh 12 packs. Um, I would imagine the wholesalers still purchasing. Uh, th- that said, I think there is something there when it comes to package sizes that pull quicker than others. Um, they still eat up space because that four pack was so proven. The twelve pack is going to be there, um, I, and and some of these heritage brands are are forced to innovate just to protect their own space as some slower brands sort of get weeded out. Um,
0: it's just it, it's it's overwhelming to me to see so many amazing breweries. Like Perennial are are an amazing brewery. I I I, I used saw to trade uh, for it. yeah. Um, I saw uh, what was it? Sump is mm-hmm. is that one of their their saw bottles of that on the shelf. And, and Solemn Oath is a brewery that is is well regarded. Like great brewery. I, it it's it is just overwhelming three floyds recently within the past few months came to town i could tell stories about uh what i've heard about their uh their purchasing uh requirements but like there is almost too much beer here in in philadelphia at my shop and and that is what has gotten me to falling on my laurels i either i either buy beers from the breweries when i'm going to visit them like joel said Um, because I feel most confident about the quality, but, uh, also, I mean, the, some of these out of towners in the bottle shop have the, the, the date codes that, uh, mean something to me. And I know that a lot of people aren't looking at these date codes and that's a thing I wish that we could educate more. And there's probably breweries who wish we didn't educate more on that because they're like, fuck they're not going to buy my beer if they know that it's 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 past code. Well, that's a problem you need to address within your brewery if you are hoping on people buying out of code beer. Like fuck. I mean that that's probably a different topic that we can get into on on quality of product. I, but
1: I think that opens up the QA QC topic that joel was talking about earlier yeah Um, i this is honestly I. this is a
0: wild fucking time and i i i'm blown away because I, i like i said i'm overwhelmed every single time i go in there and i still walk the aisles and i still am like I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know what I'm looking at. And then it's like, all right, four pack of Daisy Cutter and something local that I just saw that came out. And and I'm a professional. I've been in this industry for eight years now-ish. Like it's, it's fucking crazy that uh, an area, a shop can just fuck with my mind so much when I'm looking for beer. Sure. Imagine, I, imagine a imagine a consumer
2: and I also want to approach this from a manufacturing standpoint I I know that's a very kind of you know white bread term for what we do and I know that turns off people but I mean we are manufacturing a product and there's also so much only only so much raw materials to go around as our buddy, Maddie Smooth from New Belgium told us in the dry hop seminar a few years ago at CBC, this is an agriculture, you know, when it comes to hops, obviously malt and yeast are, are a bit more pre- plentiful than, you know, some of the hops everybody's working with right now. But with so many breweries doing so much hop forward stuff, it is so hard for smaller guys like me to get my hands on certain things. And it, I mean, there is a real effect to having so many breweries, And doing so many of the same style. Especially with these just insane hopping rates that are coming out now. I mean, guys that are doing like 8, 10 pounds per barrel. I look at the spot hop list, which is pretty much the only thing I can order from. And it's a joke. I mean, I I might as well just start producing all fucking like noble English ales. Um, I mean, I sent out an email to get approval on an order today. And I was like, if I don't jump on this now, I'm not getting it. It's that simple. It's not on this spot list. It's not on that spot list. I'm literally having to buy it in one-pound packs, like 44 of them. So, yeah, you know, it it it's also a raw material issue. There's only so much out there for everyone, and it's our responsibility to use it wisely. So, there's so many facets to this. I mean, there's, you know, and I've always like, from from my perspective, from a, a non-distrib, you know, at this moment not distributing brewpub. I've always tried to instill in my staff that nobody has to come see us you know there are guests we have to you know make them feel good offer them something great because they'll never come back there's too much competition they don't even have to waste their time giving us a bad review we're just going to be looking around at an empty tap room one day going what happened and everyone's going to be down the street or across the street or wherever because there's just so much right now there's 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 like you said, om- only almost like too many options.
1: Yeah, it, it, you touched on it, it, and all of us sort of danced around it a little bit. It, it, there's a distribution problem here, too, and, and, and it's an overcrowding of distributors at the same time. And distributors are starting to push back a little bit more. Um, I don't know
0: if there's an overcrowding of distributors. Maybe, I mean... No,
1: I'm sorry. Overcrowding of portfolios within distributors. How about that? Oh, yeah. I would
0: absolutely agree with you. So, on that, so I
1: and now you're not only talking about share a mind on a shelf or on a draft system, but also within a wholesaler, and and sometimes that can be as challenging or frustrating for a fledgling brewery as anything else. or we're an established brewery, for even that matter. Um, our wholesaler partners. As as a as a brewery that works with wholesaler partners, in my opinion, they do the best job they possibly can. Um, they're managing a portfolio of multiple brands, multiple personalities, just as you know breweries are managing multiple personalities within retailers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I I think we can all agree on one thing, and and the three of us coming from three very different aspects of this industry, you really need to own your tasting room. As as yes. a brewery, yep, you need to yep. own your backyard. It, you need to look at it from a halo effect of two miles to five miles to ten miles to fifteen miles, widening your net of distribution. As a very young brewery, can be very challenging, not only on especially today, management post even five years ago. Exactly, exactly, and and ten years ago we all wanted the amount of options that are on the shelf that we have right now. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and what a time to be alive. It, literally you can go to the store and I, you can go, I can go to my local gas station that is walking distance from here and have an amazing craft beer selection. It, it's pretty cool.
0: It is. But I like, I think that we, we opened a, a slightly different, can of worms than we really thought we knew what we wanted at that point in time
1: and absolutely um, brand uh, loyalty I, find a brand I buy it <laughs> visit I, the I've, taste like good. I
0: said I, I feel like I've inadvertently cr- uh, like made a brand that I I'm loyal to is is half acre daisy cutter for some for some reason other than just it's a fantastic beer but God I feel like we've only scratched the surface on a conversation like this um, but we are running super long on this episode. Um, Tell anything, us what you think at unitedwedrink.com.
1: There we go. Submit so your <laughs> questions. Ask your answer or uh, ask questions on the Twitter. Ask your answers. Ask your answers. I,
0: let's, yeah, let's restart this conversation on Twitter at unitedwedrink. Uh, so let's talk about this more over there. Um, Don't at me.
1: <laughs> sure you can at me i don't have it on my phone anymore so <laughs> good luck all right let's let's
0: get into uh last calls gentlemen um i don't i don't remember where we started last week um so i'm just gonna go with phil you you have your last call
1: sweet so uh i got two things uh real quick shout out to alan over at mad robot brewing uh going through a pretty rough week last week uh and, and your email to us was amazing. All three of us were pretty impacted and it, it definitely, uh, we don't get paid to do this. This is a hobby. Um, this is sort of an outlet for all three of us and, uh, to hear, you know, that you really enjoyed our podcast made me feel really good. And I, I know I can speak on the, for the other two co-host, um, when, when I say that, um, but my last call, my second last call uh, tis the season of pumpkin spice lattes and horror movies and more importantly horror movies uh we have uh it chapter two coming out i love horror movies super excited about that but today i watched the uh trailer for a small film by the name of candy corn highly recommend it um looks really really cool very dark very gruesome um I I'm super excited and Halloween's right around the corner. It's one of my favorite holidays. Uh horror movies always uh, enjoyable to watch while drinking a beverage. Um but yeah, that, that's sort of my last call.
0: All right. Uh I'll I'll jump in here real quick. Um I'm going to have a very hopefully very quick one here and that is just to make a little announcement that uh I know I talk a lot about Living in Philadelphia. Well, by the time of this next episode, I will not be living in Philadelphia anymore. Uh,
1: <laughs> I, don't,
0: I don't need that. Um, I'm moving back down to South Florida uh, in a week's time from the time that we're uh, recording this. Um, some, some family matters that I'd, I am not going to get into, but uh, that's what is bringing, bringing us back down uh, that way. So I don't really know exactly what I'm doing as of this time, but hopefully I will somewhat soon and find my my feet on the floor of somewhere uh, of a brewery in uh, that time. And uh, I look forward to having some beers with uh, you gentlemen in person uh, very
2: soon. Agreed. And uh, as far as I go... Uh, This one is going to be mainly about gratitude. Uh, Thank you to everyone who wrote in on the last episode. Thank you to everyone who jumped on the Jacuzzi Mead t-shirts. And thank you to the breweries that uh, showed me such great hospitality in North Carolina two weeks ago. Uh, most uh, most notably two of them, uh, Pinehurst Brewing in Pinehurst, which blew me away. It is some sort of, I want to say like, like some kind of steam factory or some old building that they hollowed out and put a brew pub in. Just the most amazing beer, crystal clear West Coast IPA. I was geeking out so hard. Uh, I had their cornbread with honey butter and a Kolsch and it was like just mind-blowingly good together. Uh, the brisket was amazing. The sauces were amazing. The beer was just unbelievable. I, I made it, this sort of touches on what I said in one of the last episodes about, um, you know, find those hidden gems. And this was one of those hidden gems. I didn't even know they were around there. And I happened to just see them on one of those hotel brochures on the front page I saw a picture of like two beers and I was like oh what's this and we went there for dinner one night and it was unbelievable all of the food was amazing all of the uh, beers were amazing they had this like coconut key lime sour that was just ridiculous and I made it a point to not only jump on social media and tell everyone about this place but also uh find their brewer on social media and message him and tell him how much everything was amazing. So when you find a spot like that, blow it up. Let people know, really, you know, shout it from the rooftops because, you know, like I said, there's so many hidden gems out there and I really want people to know about places like this. Also, Trophy Brewing, shout out to uh, Alex and everyone there. They showed me the greatest hospitality, took me around the brew house. Uh, Just such phenomenal beers. My favorite beer of 2019 is their... Uh, Triple Surfer, 10% triple IPA. I was just expecting super malty and all kinds of insanity. It's a style I don't really trust, but that was such a phenomenal beer. You could not taste the 10% alcohol. There was zero bitterness to it. It was unbelievable, and this is the kind of stuff that gets me excited and inspired and reinvigorates me. And when you find these breweries and these beers, shout it from the rooftops. Let everybody know because I think that's what keeps us going. And just let everyone know when you find great stuff like that. Uh, and we'll we'll jump right into tip your bartender Joel. Anything you want to plug? Uh, I am Florida D U H Brewer on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, West Palm Brewery and Wine Ball. We're having our Polka Fest this Saturday, August 24th. Uh, the Polka King himself, Jan Levin, will be there doing his polka. Uh, at, if you don't know him, he was infamously portrayed on the Netflix movie The Polka King by Jack Black. Uh, I think this is our... Th- third time doing this and it is easily our biggest event that we do uh we shut down the street it's going to be a big polka block party pierogies polish sausage the whole deal and we're going to be releasing our new amber lager which should be legit so uh, come see us come have fun with us and hang out and uh let's drink some beers phil anything you want to plug
1: i'm working on my myspace page um Tom's my only you're, friend right now. Uh, you're but you like guys, yeah. <laughs> you've got
0: no social media.
1: You guys can follow me on LinkedIn. Phil Palmisano. <laughs>
0: uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Lovespear. Uh, you can follow the podcast on social media as well. We're on Twitter at United. We drink Instagram at United. We drink pod. You can like us on Facebook, um, we, as Joel said earlier, we have T-shirts. Go over to our website, uh, unitedwedrink.com/store. We'll direct you to our T Public store where you can get um, Jacuzzi Mead shirts, logo shirts, uh, stickers. You can get coffee mugs of Jacuzzi Mead or our logo uh, tote bags, all of that fun stuff. And by doing that, you're supporting the show. Uh, so why not support the show? Um, You can also subscribe to the show on pretty much any major streaming service for podcasts now. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Overcast. Uh, Just got notification today that we're now on iHeartRadio as well. So if you're into that, go there. If we are not on the service that you like to listen to podcasts to, let us know on the contact page over at the website and I will do whatever I can to get us over on those. Next episode, we are going to talk about industry certifications. Um, So make sure that you check us out in two weeks. Be right back here. Same bat time, same bat channel. Probably without bats because bats are scary. But uh, until then, we'll catch you all. Next time, go ahead and say it, you fuckers. Cheers.
2: Hail Satan.
1: <laughs> Good talking to you guys.